You're listening to Three Kitchens Podcast, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Now let's get cooking because I'm starving. Today's episode of Three Kitchens Podcast is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. The Well-Endowed Podcast, hosted by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community and explores how the foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Hey listeners, just a quick heads up to let you know that this is part one of a two-episode release to kick off season three. We're so excited that you could join us and that we're back in our kitchens. Get your appetites ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Kitchens Podcast. It is our first episode of season three, and we are really excited to be back at it. I am one of your hosts, Heather Dyer. I'm here with Aaron Walker and Sarah Somasundaram, as usual. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello, hello. And we're really excited because we have special guests, and we've been wanting to talk to you guys since we met like a year ago. And so we're really excited about this. We have local shepherds, Jana and Ryan Greer, owners and operators of Whispering Cedars Ranch. And we'll definitely have you guys tell us a bit about yourselves, but you're located southeast of Calgary, right? Where you raise uh, lamb in a way that focuses on the health and safety of the animals and the environment. Does that sound about right? That sounds exactly right. <laughs> Yay. Welcome, <laughs> Jana and Ryan. We're so happy to have you here with us. Yeah, We're thanks for having us. So it's really nice to connect with you guys again. As Heather mentioned, we met you guys at a farm to table dinner that was hosted by Poplar Bluff Organics last year. And we actually got to enjoy some of the lamb that you produce mm -hmm. and a few drinks. Mm. And we've been wanting to get some more lamb and talk to you guys more about your lamb farming operation ever since. So we're so happy that you could come and join us. We just kind of wanted to start out with uh, having you guys tell us a little bit about how you became lamb farmers in Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it can be a little bit of a long-winded story, but uh, essentially Ryan and I grew up on Vancouver Island and various things brought us to Alberta, but um, this is where we call home now and we always knew we wanted um, at least an acreage for our children and once we got a few sheep we kind of just fell in love with the idea of shepherding and and caring for the animals so it's kind of it's grown from a few sheep to a lot of sheep <laughs> and, uh, we have about um, 400 breeding animals and um, so we sell lots of lamb product throughout the year but it's been it's been a journey. It's been really exciting to do together. And um, we have, you know, an emphasis, obviously, on providing really good breeding stock to the industry, but also supplying a lamb product that's that tastes good and people are are excited to eat. So and then most recently, we've launched the, the vegetation management, which we can get into in a bit. And we're excited to add that part because we think it adds a really it, it aligned very closely with our 
goals and values, and it's going to add a lot of value to our community and to the expansion of renewable energy. Right. Mm. That's exciting. So, so why lamb? What attracted you to having <laughs> lamb? <laughs> we initially thought cattle and then um, kind of had some not so pleasant experiences and just thought about the whole safety piece, especially knowing that we wanted to start a family. Right. Oh, okay. Um, and so, you know, sheep are pretty, you know, calm, gentle, easy animals for the most part. I mean, obviously there is a little bit of, of safety concerns when it comes to, you know, having mature rams and things like that. But we wanted an animal that we could work around that would be, you know, safe enough for our children. Um, and then, I mean, just the the overall capital expenditures to get into cattle versus sheep. I mean, you need bigger equipment, a lot more right. land. Okay. Land is a big challenge for, for where we are. I mean, we were both working full-time needed to be within proximity to the city and mm. uh, first generation farmers, it's, it's tough to find land. So we're just on a hundred acre parcel where we are now, but um, this opportunity for solar um, and doing the, the vegetation management. So having the sheep being able to mow the grass under there just really has opened up more land base for us to allow us to grow. Like I said, we're, we're first generation farmers. So being able to access that land is huge. Yeah, no mm-hmm. kidding. So we've noticed when we have meals, lamb isn't like a common meat that we see served to us. So we were wondering why why isn't it as common as it is in other parts of the world? Yeah, I think it that there's a couple different reasons for that. I mean, we've definitely seen demand grow in Canada and that's largely in, in part um, just a, a more ethnic community being developed and, and growing in some of the bigger cities, especially in Ontario, Toronto specifically right. has become a, a large demand center for Canada. But I think with time, we're also seeing a shift in mentality. I mean, this is a perfect example, your, your show, uh, um, you know, people being more experimental and wanting to try different meats. In terms of availability, um, because grocery stores are, are most grocery stores are <clears throat> under a federal mandate, they're getting them from federal inspection plants. Uh-huh. Okay. So really, it's not that there isn't lamb available in the area. Um, it just may be that those grocery stores need to to meet a certain regulation. So you may see either from a federal plant, there's one here in Alberta and, and some in Ontario, or you may see it becoming coming in internationally from places like New Zealand, Australia, and uh, Ireland. Yeah, that's that's what we notice all the time is that it seems to be international lamb. Like I've only just recently noticed it coming in locally. Uh, stores like Co-op have been really great in that they've made partnerships with the federal plant in Alberta and, okay. you know, promised to deliver Alberta lamb. So they've got a partnership where you'll see Alberta lamb on the shelves. Okay. Um, but not all grocery <laughs> stores have that. And then it really comes down to um, seasonality. So production in our industry is dependent very much on weather and patterns and grazing and depending on different operations. There's just there. There's a glut, we call it, uh, between certain months where it's very, very difficult to produce lamb. Okay. Uh, So that's kind of where you'll see, in order to meet the demand throughout the year, you'll see an influx of uh, international lamb and vice versa. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. And and what do those months tend to be? Uh, So in terms of production, basically it's it's difficult to lamb. What would you say typically? It's harder to have lambs born in the fall. So if you're going to have fall born 
lambs. I mean, there's, there's, you know, some extensive management on that end, but right. it means that kind of, you know, throughout later fall and into the winter, there's like a shorter supply available. Okay. So do you sell most of yours then fresh? How do you sort of manage your product? So we actually get it back frozen. We've been going to the same um, local butcher facility for geez, almost 10 years now, probably. Yeah. Wow. Um, they're, they're really not far from us, which is nice, but I, I drop them off in kind of larger groups. And then depending on, you know, what we have for, you know, reservation list, some people will pick it up there, but most kind of pick it up at the farm gate. And when we get it back to us, typically it's, it's frozen. Okay. But yeah, it's basically, it's, it's dropped off there and I'm picking it up within a couple of days. So. And, and to be brutally honest, we have a lot, we have customers that have said, you know, we really want it fresh. Well, in terms of, of fresh, you may have if you're getting an entire box, so <laughs> 50 pounds, you may be taking one cut or two cuts and, and having those fresh, but you're, you're going to freeze the rest. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's like, unless you're coming out for a couple cuts and for us in terms of the demand, we can't set those aside. Um, obviously because we don't know how many people may <clears throat> want those cuts and so on and so forth. So then we don't want to see our product go to waste. Um, so that's kind of why we've gone that, that route, of course, at the butcher store where you have lots more clientele coming through, you can kind of leave some cuts out, um, right, right. And, and meet that, that, yeah. that specialty, but it doesn't um, stay in the freezer very long here. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Which is good. I mean, in terms of yeah, freshness, it's a frozen product, but it's, it's as fresh as you can get it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, interesting. So you had mentioned, you had mentioned that you have a hundred acre space and about 400 sheep. Yeah. So our main ranch is, is just under hundred acres. So we're just east of Strathmore, Alberta. As we look to grow, we looked at lots of different areas, but as Jenna mentioned, we, we kind of fell in love with Strathmore and area and mm-hmm. uh, because of our employment here chose to remain in the area versus of course, land is cheaper, you know, the further away from a city center, right. but we were okay with, you know, leveraging our off farm income to, to stay closer to the city centers. And that, that's really also helped us in terms of meeting uh, new clients and mm. yourselves and just being near a city center. People like to drive out. <laughs> yeah. We've met, we've met people from all over. And um, I think just, yeah, having that proximity to Calgary, they're like, oh, it's not that far. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. If yeah. you're going to go to the farm to pick up your meat, you don't want to have to go way out you know yeah like a nice a nice drive sure yeah totally so how much lamb are you producing in a year so our breed so our breed's a canadian developed breed um so it's a cross of some a whole bunch of different heritage breeds developed by actually the government of canada which is really interesting uh once upon a time they they had a program uh out in ottawa to develop some canadian sheep that they felt would be uh conducive to our environment and oh, I see. Um, how we do produce animals and also just lengthening the the breeding season for the reasons that I mentioned uh, to produce lamb more around the year around right. the, around the calendar oh wow so hmm. our breed has a higher lambing average than most so if, if you said that a mature you would have triplets on average so you know if hmm. our flock was fully mature you could see as much as 1200 lambs a year out of those 400 ewes. We continue. Yeah. We continue to grow every year. Our base flock started with just 60 purebred animals we bought from Saskatchewan and Mm -hmm. we've um, we've grown just from within through 
you know, our own genetics and, you know, bringing in some, um, some options for AI, but essentially we've, we've grown it ourselves. So a lot of our animals obviously are younger. We're keeping a lot more younger animals every year. So the amount of lambs we produce every year changes as well. So. Okay. So what's the mature age? So when he, when Ryan's talking about those averages for, you know, producing three lambs per year, you're kind of looking at a you who's in, you know, there's her second year of lambing at least. Okay. We have had first timers who have three, but yeah, kind of ages two plus is when you kind of see those higher multiples and oh, okay, yeah. So most of our animals are, are, are definitely younger now. Mm-hmm. And what happens when they age out? <laughs> I'm thinking like, uh, like when they're relative to my human age when i'm not <laughs> when they're done having kids <laughs> oh the, there actually still is a market for those products um you know ryan spoke to to the ethnic populations that that's actually their preference so okay. that'd be mutton then yeah like, okay yeah. some some ethnic communities uh prefer mutton versus lamb and then some like it's amazing that's something that we've really learned i guess it's likely similar in some other species Uh um but lamb certainly has a wide variety of of different markets that can be um leveraged but mutton's certainly one of them i would say Hmm. in terms of age that's tough um i would say kind of after seven years we're evaluating that if not earlier depending on other other variety of factors but you know, probably after that eight years old is when production's coming down and, and right. it's just, you know, they're getting older. Yeah. And then that market is very variable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like it, it is, and it's very low um, compared to lamb. So you, you're kind of trying to, I guess, work with vendors on, on the best time of year to make those decisions those what we would call the calling decisions. Right. Uh, we also see an opportunity in that um, because of course the price of lamb is uh, high. There's opportunity with mutton to create a product, mm-hmm. you know, with feedback from customers that not only increases our value as a rancher, but also, inc- you know, increases availability of local meat for uh, our local population. And why not? I mean, mutton was eaten widely at one mm-hmm. point. Absolutely. I think maybe it had it got a bad rep during the war because yeah. that's all they ate. But before that, it was a thing to eat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, it, and honestly, it can be good. There's nothing wrong with it, per se. I think it did get a bad rap to the war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, soldiers and others were forced to eat it as as they called the the flocks to make up for uh, protein throughout the war. And mm-hmm. I think that that has carried on generationally. Yeah. Uh, there's been right. a bias where people may not even try it for the first time um, because they're, you know, great grandpap, you know, yeah. told them how awful it is. And, you know, <laughs> I would never try that. And we, we always say that, the hardest customers are the ones to try it for the first time or the ones to try it for the second time. Right. Because they had a bad experience either at a restaurant uh, where they paid 30 bucks and, you know, didn't get a product they were happy with. Right. Or they went and bought it at a grocery store, took it home and either were challenged cooking it or just didn't meet their meet their expectations so or they don't try it for the first time and you just cannot convince them myself included i'll i'll full disclosure when (laughs) we started doing lamb i had 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 it maybe twice at restaurants and i just didn't i it wasn't cooked well and it took jan a lot of convincing to get me to try it again now i can't get enough of it it's awesome amazing That kind of leads me to the next question, because that's something we learned from you guys when we met you last year, was that the taste of lamb and the texture of lamb can vary quite a bit. 
depending on a few things. Did you want to explain why that's the case? It's extremely variable. And that's both a blessing and a curse in our industry. Uh It can very much by breed. And there's, you know, probably a hundred (laughs) breeds. Oh, okay. So you look at beef, for example, Uh they've really honed in on a smaller amount of, of different breeds. And then that, so that's really helped them with consistency. Whereas sheep has such a wide variety of different uh, breeds that you and could cross get breeds. and cross breeds and uh, yeah. variety or inconsistency uh, in the actual meat itself and the cuts. And then secondly is what's put in determines what the product that comes out. So what they're fed, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So for us, you know, what we've focused on and, and really uh, what our customers have appreciated is our grain fed finished um, lambs mm. for our area and for the clientele that we have right now, that is a preference. And so that's why we've, you know, really had a high quality or what our customers have, have given us feedback is a very high quality product. That said, I have nothing against grass-fed lamb. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that we've often talked about providing as a second alternative, but they're very different flavors. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And textures. And textures. So it's important for the consumer to know a lamb is not a lamb is not a lamb. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) There's nothing wrong with any of them. There are markets for all of them. So Mm -hmm. by that, I mean a fattier lamb that's grown out bigger, maybe a preference to some, whereas a grass-fed lamb uh, with little to no fat is a preference for another. So it's not that there isn't a market. It's just understanding that when you say you've had lamb and it was good or bad, um, there's a lot of other layers to that, like a wine. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. There's a lot of variables uh, from start to finish. Yeah. So we just try to keep it simple. They're essentially fed, you know, a ration of just some whole barley and we add a pellet in there that just increases the protein a bit and make sure that they're getting the correct vitamins and minerals. And we've really honed in on that over the last couple of years, just in terms of the the health of our animals. So we've really made a big focus on spending a little bit more to make sure that they're they're getting the the requirements and the best minerals that are available to them. Right. So Mm -hmm. just for the listeners, like we realized the last time that we, when we ate your lamb, something struck us about it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't very gamey. How would you describe your lamb? Like the flavor compared to. (laughs) We've heard that. We've heard that a lot. Or people say it doesn't have that aftertaste. We get that quite a bit. Um, And I think that again, goes back to obviously the breed that we have, they're typically, you know, a leaner animal, the the feed that we give them is very consistent. And the end product that we send to market is consistent. It's pretty similar in terms of weight. So Mm -hmm. we're sending the same, the same product every time. And I think that's what people are looking for. And so Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's like Ryan alluded to, there's a lot of things that can kind of change the flavor and the the texture of the meat that you're eating. And that's what we have found that our clientele prefers. And that's usually the feedback that we get is that it doesn't, it doesn't have that taste that they're expecting. So it's been funny over the years, we've had people, you know, even family that are, you know, I don't want to eat lamb. I don't want to eat it. I'm just, I'm nervous about eating him. He's yeah. one of those people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so before we started this, I mean, we had both kind of had an experience where we, you know, it wasn't really our preference. We didn't mm-hmm. really seek it out. And so having a product that, you know, we consume and we're proud of to eat is what we really wanted to offer. And so I think we've changed a lot of opinions 
over the years. And mm-hmm. um, if you can convert yourselves, <laughs> yeah, then I feel like you can convert anybody. <laughs> but I think I would add though that again, just to keep it wide open, that gaminess is preferred by a lot yeah. of people. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've also had people buy our product and go flavor. They're almost weirded mm. out that it has a white marbling like a like a beef versus what they would have typically experienced at, you know, in their homeland where mm. it, it lays down a yellow fat because right. it's grass fed or because it's out on ah. a different, you know, pasture or whatever pasture. it could mm-hmm. be. So then they'll actually go like, I, I it was weird and it tastes, you know, it wasn't enough flavor, yeah. quote unquote. Right. Like so, you know, flavor is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can vary lamb to lamb in, in every situation. I mean, and that's why we're super excited to uh, work on developing a grass-fed product because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, if we can rotationally graze a certain amount of lambs out at our solar site, for example, that might open an opportunity to have another product for those that yeah. maybe even a split pack you can try you know grass-fed oh, that, that's smart yeah and then <laughs> you tell us what you prefer and we'll have that available for you moving forward mm-hmm. so all things that we've definitely been brainstorming but certainly mm-hmm. we, we lent towards a grain-fed white marbled lamb because that is the typical consumer preference in our local area well a lamb in canada is basically classified as anything under 12 months of age so oh, but okay. we've you know throughout this journey we've tried to you know, to cater to people who, you know, maybe that's not their preference. And we've had people where, you know, I'm happy if an animal, you know, isn't quite producing for us, I'm happy to send, you know, a two or three year old animal who's perfectly healthy, but that's what they prefer. Mm -hmm. And we've sent, we've sent those to butcher as well. And then the feedback from that is, wow, this is fantastic. It's so good. This is what I was looking for. Right. Mm. The door isn't necessarily shut on, you know, this is the only product we have. <laughs> right, right, right. It's key, It keeps growing. I was going to say, it's amazing how diverse a single thing can be, right? Like it's the age, the feed, everything can create completely different products. That's And as a consumer, then you have to find where is the lamb that I like yeah. and how do I get it? Because yeah. you, especially if you want the consistency on your mm-hmm. table, like if it's like, I like this type, this flavor, I want it to be that every time I buy it, then you, and it's hard when, when we have very little selection in a grocery store. And especially when you don't want to give it a second chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even, even, you know, not not to keep throwing curveballs, but even grain finish can mean something different in Alberta. We have, you know, oats and barley readily available in Ontario. They have corn corn readily available and and laid in a different colored fat and have a different flavor. Right. Uh, which many people prefer because that's yeah. what they're used to. Yeah. So it's, uh, and that's not often laid out. And that's probably our biggest challenge as an industry is everyone goes to the grocery store to grab, you know, cool, cool lamb. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't say that this lamb is, you know, this, 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 and this, finished yeah. with this. It's this yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunate, right? I was going to say, you need yeah. to make a placard that goes up at the grocery store that's like, here's what your lamb category is so that you know what you're getting because education's everything. Right. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the best way to get that consistency and to get the product you're wanting is mm-hmm. to seek out local farmers, find out yeah. Yeah. what they're doing, what, you know, if they have the product you're looking for. And I mean, supporting those local farmers to find a product that you really want. And talk to them and find out more about lamb. 
ATB was built to help Alberta businesses, from CEBA applications to lending information, debt consolidation loans, or deferrals. Whatever your business is facing right now, ATB is here to help with expert advice. And with today's economy top of mind in business, stay up to date with the Future Of podcast, hosted by ATB's Chief Economist, Todd Hirsch. To learn more, visit atb.com. Yeah. Well, we were lucky enough to try the lamb, and I can say I loved it. Mm-hmm. it was we really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I honestly, have, I think I've eaten lamb maybe twice in my life. Like, it was not something that I grew up with. Yeah, we typically, we consume two a year. Um, and my parents are on board now, and they're friends, and my brother and his fiance live close by. And like I said, we've kind of converted them all. But that's awesome. What's interesting is, yeah, getting people to try it and hoping that they'll change their mind. But I mean, we had a party here this summer where I was telling Aaron, one of our big things here is to do kind of those Greek pitas. Yeah. Put all kinds of fixings. And it's basically like a Greek taco essentially. But um, I went out and actually bought a bunch of chicken worried that, you know, our guests weren't going to, if they don't like it, at least they have a second selection and then nobody ate any chicken. <laughs> the, <laughs> the entire lamb was gone and there was no, yeah, all the chicken was there. So we ate chicken for a few days after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I had the same situation just a few days ago. I had friends over, made lamb kebabs and chicken kebabs because <laughs> one of the guys d- hates lamb. It's like, nope, n- never going to eat it. All he did was eat the lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, we've played a, a, a trick on a few different family members in terms of serving it. We, we don't say it's not <laughs> lamb, but we also serve red meat at the table and right. they just keep eating. And they're just like, this is so good. Where do you get it? I'm like, well, it came very locally. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then of course they're converted and they'll, they'll eat it again. So it's, that's awesome. It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun in that regard for sure. We're also trying to work on, you know, like Ryan spoke to earlier, just having a value added product, something that's different than, you know, have having a lamb chop. So, you know, having an opportunity maybe for some sausage or something like that, where people are a little bit less apprehensive, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you have a favorite cut or like a go-to recipe? What's, how do you, how do you eat? I mean, aside from Greek pitas, how do you like to prepare it? Um, honestly, it's lamb's actually a lot more versatile than people think. I mean, you cook it very similar to how you would cook beef. Mm. Some people prefer it well done, so to speak. I mean, same with a steak, but uh, we kind of cook it that around that medium mark. And I mm. honestly, it's all kinds of ways. It grills really well. You know, it roasts really well it's yeah like i said it's it's so versatile there's so many different ways you can do it one of our probably go-to cuts which is ironic because it's it's yeah. probably the most challenging to get at a store is the shoulder uh chops or shoulder steaks or yeah. shoulder steaks depending how, how different people call them different things but essentially our we mark them as shoulder chops and you know your typical lamb chops are quite you know quite small mm-hmm. uh, whereas a shoulder chop is actually quite big and uh it that's where a lot of the marbling is so i think at restaurants they just it's not really a first aid food uh in terms of <laughs> in terms of oh. the marbling so they don't serve it but it so flavorful it's so flavorful and it's so Ooh. good like i i just i'm drooling right. thinking about we're gonna have to <laughs> um and then honestly we just barbecue it i in the early years, we used to just like spice the heck out of it. And everyone told us to eat it with mint jelly. So we went and got a thing of mint jelly. And I think we've got a 10 year old thing of mint jelly in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> took two scoops out of it and then we never used again because you right. don't need it. Like, yeah. I think that the historic 
they've hidden the Historically, flavor. Historically, the two right. things that happen are it got overcooked for no reason other than for whatever reason people thought it couldn't be cooked like medium rare, which is where it's best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was overcooked and it was over flavored because people were afraid of tasting the lamb. Like mm. all the recipes that we were shared in the beginning was just like, you know, make sure to to cover up basically the taste. It's like, well, what's the point? Like, right. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, in the early years, I, I that's how I, I thought, you know, I thought the same thing. I bet we got to just cook cook the heck out of it and spice the heck out of it. But what we've, we've gone back to the basics and basically now we just throw it on the, yeah, on the it, barbecue and it's... we grill it, we grill it more often than not. Or, you know, if we're having family, I'll throw a leg of lamb on a rotisserie on the barbecue and like, <laughs> it's mm. really good. You know, I've done all kinds of, of flavorings, um, you know, kind of stick to the whole Greek thing. I've gone and thrown you know, kind of more flavorful spices like, um, like cumin and coriander and that kind of thing. And just, I've spiced it so many different ways over the years that, um, it's funny now I go to my brother's house for dinner and they'll make lamb and ask me to spice it. And I don't, I just kind of throw a bunch of spices together. It takes on, (laughs) it takes on anything really well. I've yet to find something that doesn't taste good with it. The other Mm. other one that we really enjoyed was doing like a bed of onions in the bottom of a crock pot. And then just dumping in like a Guinness or, you know, dark beer and just slow cooking. It's just to absolutely die for. We haven't done mm. a stew in a long time, but uh, like yeah, honestly are, doing like an Irish stew is, has been pretty ah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people actually do, you know, shepherd's pie actually. Right, right, right. Started with sheep, right? So yeah, um, yeah. There's, a of, there's a lot of people that make. You Why know, is that new to me? <laughs> Like it was new to us too. We're like, oh, you're so right. Why? Why am I? Why am I surprised by that? That's hilarious. It was today. Today years old when I learned. Shepherd's pie was actually from sheep. uh, Oh boy! I'll give away a secret. It's our. It's our number one way of of uh busting into markets at restaurants is there you go yeah. calling it out going uh that's weird i've never heard of a shepherd's pie with beef and then the the, the waitress or the chef will just be like oh yeah <laughs> oh dang well, you've got some lamb if you want to make a real shepherd's pie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got the icebreaker going yeah or yeah. Even, yeah even um they make really good burgers yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. with, with the ground lamb or yeah, meatballs. Like yeah. it's pretty. Mm-hmm. And we try, like when we have customers come out for a rack of lamb, we always try to throw in a shoulder chopper because everyone's so stuck on that being like the only cut to eat. Mm. Honestly, it's not even our preference. It's delicious and amazing, but there's so many other cuts that people don't even realize exist. Um, so we always try to, to plug those and have people try some other cuts because mm-hmm. once they once they experience other cuts and it's also like economically the rack is just the most expensive part that's how the cutout works so once they have an opportunity to cook other lamb other pieces and it opens other doors yeah i actually had a guy meet me at the butcher last year because he wanted the whole thing fresh like as soon as it was able to go because he sous vide the whole entire lamb into bags like the whole wow yeah he said he that's what his preference was and it was easy for him to cook so yeah he did the whole thing that way which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. honestly yeah it's just it cooks so well in so many different ways that we're we're not really shy to try it so and we have like we have lots of recipes <laughs> on our website and we always look to customers for to provide recipes back obviously we love 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 hearing feedback from customers on how they've cooked it and been successful with it or not so that we can coach them and 
what we so we've got that it also alberta land producers was kind enough to create basically little pamphlet cards so when we especially for first-time customers we always do an uh envelope of you know i think it's eight or nine recipe cards oh that okay basically they can they can try out that uh, that were created i think it was by a chef for alberta land producers i'm hungry well, <laughs> we could talk recipes and food like all day but we we are aware of your time and so yeah. let's maybe move on yeah no that's great so I read a little something on your website about sheep milk. Mm, there it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. Sorry. Um, oh no, you've made them nervous. I think. Or do you want to tell us about anything else new that's going on? No, I can. I can because it's out there and it's it's exciting, but it's still in the works. So um, being able to access. Um, sheep dairy has always been something we've come back to over the last decade and thought, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had sheep cheese, but it's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so being able to develop, you know, alternative dairy products as opposed to cow's milk was something that we kind of always thought was a bit interesting. Yeah. So we worked with our veterinarian last year. The end product of that was a completely different breed than mm. we currently have. Okay. Um, and so that allows us to kind of get into the, the sheep dairy mark market a little bit. So it's kind of in the, in the works, obviously it takes time to develop enough animals to be able to do that. So, but I think the end goal, I mean, we constantly come back to it is to have a dairy sheep breed that we're able to milk and make um, additional value added products like cheese and ice cream and all those fun things. So, cause in the last season we found somebody who makes an at-home cheese making kit that you can order cheese maker they're called cheese maker when we talked with her her favorite type of cheese was a sheep's cheese called manchego manchego Man yeah manchego yeah, yeah. I, i'm sure i'm saying this wrong yeah i'm sure i'm saying it wrong one of us is, or both of us are. when she talked about this sheep cheese the first thing i said was like ooh. Do you think Jana and Ryan will make yeah. will make <laughs> sheep's milk, or do you think we can get sheep's milk from them? Because this sounds amazing. So I don't know. When I saw that, it set off the alarm bells of excitement for me. Yeah, so. and you know, because we asked her when we were doing this, and she she was trying to give us local sources of different types of milk, whatever kind of cheese we were making. Yeah, and there there weren't a lot of sources for sheep's milk. She was sort of like, mm, not yeah. really sure. It was an I don't know. So once you're once you've yes. got your that on your uh, menu, then maybe they can direct people locally here mm -hmm. to get it from you because it is hard to find, right? Absolutely, and and that's part of it. We've been asked a lot over the years, um, chefs, uh, restaurants, uh, just local people, maybe with uh, kids that have you know are unable to enjoy oh. you know the, the typical dairy products. So we. That's kind of how we first got into it was we wanted to provide that for others. We've been navigating that and worked with um, we worked with lots of of uh, government officials on what we need to do and so on and so forth. And then, of course, Jana mentioned the closed flock. So it's not a fast addition to add a whole different breed. Um, we have milk diarrhea to our cause and they, are, they do provide um, quite a bit of milk, but just not not uh the volume that you would need to actually cash flow, you know, specifically a dairy mm -hmm. operation or enterprise. So we're going to start small. We've got 30 East Frisians on the ground. So that's a, a German dairy breed. Oh, cool. Obviously, it will take some time until we would actually be milking them. And then we're going to hold back and select the best of the rams. And then 
that will allow us, if we wanted to scale the dairy enterprise, it would allow us to crossbreed into our Rito Arcots to create a, a dairy cross and then off we could go. So. Wow. Cool. Man, that's a process, eh? I mean, it's very interesting to hear, but that's a lot of work. <laughs> There's a lot of like population dynamics going on here. With yeah. The demographic of the <laughs> sheep you have that you want to. And who's the best? And the time. And yeah. the... Farming has always amazed us. I mean, it's, you know, the joke is that you're a CEO, a marketing official, a mechanic, a shepherd, a veterinarian. <laughs> a dairy operator, like, you know, a, a, a nursery operator, like there's nothing you don't do, but, you know, foresight is, is extremely important and, and strategic planning. And, you know, we pulled the pin on this. It was a, it was a huge investment for us uh, because there's no payback for years. Uh, but we knew that it, we had to make the decision now in order to, to think about do, utilizing that in the next five years. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether we do or not like scale up that, that enterprise, um, we had to make the decision to to commit to it now to to be able to have the option later <laughs> so yeah. yeah that is so cool i'm really excited to hear yeah. and wait erin <laughs> might need a sneak a pre- preview yeah <laughs> a preview oh. a jug of milk <laughs> love it well she's so uh, excited we'll start us. working let's, together let's, to make you make you get the cheese kit we'll do the, the milk and we'll make some cheese How awesome okay. you gotta share the cheese over yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll show up when it's done, Heather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know who our first two customers will be, right? Yes. <laughs> so this is the fun rapid fire question. So sit back and enjoy. And- Whatever comes to mind. Don't think too hard. Meaning, do we got to put like a button yeah. in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> so if you could cook or share a meal with anyone, dead or alive, real or fictional, who would it be? A World War II vet. <laughs> <laughs> Jana, do you have a different answer? Um, I think if I could, it would probably be with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Nice. Had to choose one cuisine to eat for the rest of your life. I know what yours is. Uh, What would you say? Cheese. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a question. But she's probably right. That would probably be my, I would, I would make it a cuisine somehow. <laughs> the cheese cuisine. <laughs> I love that. Where will you? <laughs> Can I actually answer it without sounding cheesy? Yes. <laughs> it would probably be Greek pitas. <laughs> Greek That's food. why we have it, have yeah. it frequently. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, peanut butter and jam. Oh, jelly for sure. Strawberry jam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's gotta be strawberry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Butter or bacon? You got to pick one. Bacon. Ooh, bacon. <laughs> I actually bacon. use a lot of bacon fat for things. When we roast a leg of lamb, I like to put a pan of vegetables underneath. And my favorite is like Brussels sprouts and beets with bacon fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's it's like the best good. of both worlds, right? Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Butter, bacon fat, we use like butter. Yeah. I wouldn't spread it on toast. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Friday night, you're by yourself. Whatever you eat and drink today, no hangovers, no calories put on, no guilt. What would it be? What would your ideal meal by yourself be? If I was fantasizing about it, it would be a shoulder, a barbecue shoulder shop, and probably a really nice red wine. Nice. Oh. Noir. Solid. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Ryan on the shoulder shop bit. That's honestly, it's probably our favorite, but really? I'd probably be leading more towards, 
a nice cold beer, and a tub of sheep ice cream. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you threw in dessert, but I, I threw that as well. I get dessert too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. you need that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Where can our listeners find you? Tell us your website, your social media. How do we get these shoulder chops? Because yes, how do we get these shoulder chops? This? I'm like so on board trying this right now. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of reaching us, uh, we actually shortened the link so that uh, <laughs> it's easier to say, but wcranch.ca, and that will forward you to our to Whispering Sears Ranch. We also and- tap into social media, but we have uh, Facebook. You can find us, uh, Whispering Cedars Ranch, and we're also on Instagram, which I'm fairly new to, but I think it's w.c.ranch. And then in terms of our, our product, I mean, um, we sell off farm, um, obviously like we have those conversations with consumers and our website points you to who our most recent relationships are built with. So we have, depending on the year and the season, we have people that deliver as far as can more. And then of course, there's going to be some, as Jan alluded to earlier, we're working on some value added products. And as those are developed, we'll release them and uh, those will be able to be purchased locally. And uh, obviously we're hoping that that partnership also allows us to supply uh, those products off farm or, or through our other distributors. Nice. That's great. Everybody go and buy lamb from these folks. We're going to, we have to just, we have to figure out how we're going to get our hands on it so we can cook it. Yeah. And we're going to, we're all going to cook your lamb. And then, and then as the three of us, we're going to come back our experience with cooking and eating, of course, and how it turned out. (laughs) We we might need to make you a a little takeout delivery. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been really we we've been so excited about it, and we're yeah. we're really excited to cook it and eat it, and um and hopefully all our listeners will also get on board and start eating lamb. Thank you so much for having us, and we look forward yeah, to to our cheese night and uh, talking <laughs> yeah. and some other uh, awesome cool products as time evolves here. Totally. Yeah, and anytime you want to come back on the podcast and talk about what's going on and. And your products and what you're cooking and we'd love to have you back awesome thank you so much and now for the fine print join us over on the socials facebook instagram youtube and pinterest and on our website at threekitchenspodcast.com and remember when you like follow subscribe and review it helps more people find us thank you so much for listening like, awesome. hey, if you don't know how to cook it you're gonna learn <laughs> we're all <laughs> gonna <so> learn <laughs>